0: Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you are listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock-and-roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to revisit our 2019 interview with Jonathan Mabry and Janos Wilder of the nonprofit Tucson City of Gastronomy. Lots of news lately in the gastronomical world, and we're going to see what this designation meant and how it's impacting our local food scene three years later. Today is July 3rd, 2022. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life along the streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A-Mountain to U-Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your smartphone if you get our Downtown Radio Tucson app and, of course, if you want to reach us on the show, our email address is contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. You can interact with us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. Our podcast is out there wherever you find them, and we've got episodes on our website, org. Tomorrow is July 4th, and that means uh, a few things. Weather permitting, uh, it means fireworks here in Tucson. 25th annual city of tucson fireworks display brought to us by desert diamond casino and uh, entertainment group it's gonna be shot off there at a mountain starting around 9 p.m and you can get some good vantage points from the tcc parking lot and while you're down there take a walk around and notice that the ecbo plaza has been redone and there's a lot of new and exciting things happening around the convention center it's all Tomorrow, there's some. Uh, if you go to the city's website, there's some maps of places to park and and witness uh, the fireworks as well as see some of the um, uh, different food vendors and such that'll be in the general area. There might be a cost for parking, so double check their website before you you head down there. Well, the news lately has been filled with good gastronomical news here in Tucson. Don Guerra of Barrio Bread. Uh, was the James Beard award-winning baker. He's been nominated in the past, and this year he won. That award is similar to winning like an Oscar in the movie world. So getting that designation was huge for him as an individual and and so much for Tucson. And then just a couple of days ago, the uh, City of Gastronomy announced the 2022 um, certified businesses. These were businesses that, based upon... um, uh, their efforts to support the local food economy, keeping the food heritage alive, you know, community-minded practices, sustainability, things like that. They received a uh, designation from the nonprofit City of Gastronomy, and and uh, it's a just a great way to celebrate more of of Tucson's commitment to our heritage and our culture. The City of Gastronomy designation dates way back to I think 2015. And because of all this recent news, we wanted to replay an interview that we had uh, actually in 2019 with uh, Jonathan Mabry and Janos Wilder. They are two of the members of the City of Gastronomy nonprofit. And we actually had a two-part episode. Uh, we're going to replay just part one for you this week, and we're going to talk to Jonathan and Janos about the history of this designation, how we got it, and, and what's that meant for our, for our local food scene. The audio is not the greatest; uh, we had some some issues with that, but the in- information is so good we couldn't couldn't pass it up. So this is our 2019 interview with uh, Jonathan Mabry, Mabry, and Janos uh, Wilder.
1: I'm Jonathan Mabry, and I'm the executive director of the nonprofit. Tucson City of Gastronomy.
0: Also uh, with yourself the University of Arizona? Yes, I'm also a researcher at the Desert
1: Laboratory on Tumamac Hill.
2: And I'm
0: Janos Wilder, I'm
2: the President of the Board of the Tucson City of Gastronomy Board of Directors. and. I own downtown Kitchener Cocktails, where we're sitting today, and the Carriage House,
0: which is our event space, right behind us. Well, and gentlemen, thank you both for for your time. Uh, This this interview came about because in 2015, I believe, uh, the United Nations Education, Science, and Cultural Organization, I believe UNESCO, um, designated Tucson as the first city in at least the United States, as a city of gastronomy, and it's part of their creative Cities designations. And I was just actually floored by the amount of time and effort. This wasn't a fluke that they just picked Tucson as the first city. There's a lot of effort that went into that. Can you kind of talk about that?
1: Yeah, it was a two-year effort. Uh, and I have to uh, start with Gary Nabhan, who is a well-known anthropologist, ethnobotanist, and author and a local foods activist who came to the mayor of Tucson and to me uh, at the time I was the historic preservation officer for the city and he told us about this Creative Cities Network and he said Tucson should apply to be a city of gastronomy. And I've collaborated with Gary on various things over more than 30 years, and him Well, and the mayor was on board, and I was on board, and we had a whole group that worked on the application. In 2014 was the first time we applied. And it was a great group and and we learned so much by compiling the information needed for the application. And then when we heard back from UNESCO, we got a one page letter that said, we had a strong application, but we just missed the scoring cutoff. But they encouraged us to reapply. They, uh, the letter said, You can strengthen your application uh, in this way. And by the way, no city has gotten it their first try. So we were encouraged to try again. And we thought, oh, we'll just beef up the application that we already had because they already told us how how to make it better. But when the new call for applications came out the next year, the questions were completely different, and the format was completely different. But anyway, long story short, uh, we, we did reapply, and uh, in December of 2015, we got the great news that we received the designation.
0: Now the application, this isn't just saying, hey, we've got really cool restaurants, we've got Janos we've got all this great food. There's, there's, a, there's a huge backstory to all of this.
1: No, um, UNESCO created this program to recognize cities that are using culture and creativity as uh, strategies for sustainable development. And they're looking for cities, not the uh, biggest, most obvious cities in each of these creative fields, but the up and coming cities where this designation can make a difference. And um, the other creative fields, by the way, are music, film, literature, media arts, design, crafts and folk art, and gastronomy. And a city can apply for designation in any one of those fields. Often get the question, Why didn't Tucson also apply for one of those other fields? Because we're good at some of those things too. But uh, we're only allowed to apply under one field. That's it? That's it. And you're right that it's not, uh, we did not receive the designation because of our great restaurants. We have great restaurants. But the reason we got the designation, I believe, is because of our unparalleled agricultural history in this area. This area has the longest continuous agricultural history in the United States, going back more than 4,000 years. And other things that were emphasized in the application include uh, the University of Arizona is a world leader in uh Food Research and Education, and we have uh, these innovative, and progressive uh, policies and, and, and regulations by the city and the county that make it easier to grow and sell food within the urban area. And we have all of these uh food activist organizations that are uh, raising awareness of the issues of food insecurity and food injustice. And we have amazing programs like our county library system. You can walk into any of the 17 branches with your library card and check out free desert adapted seeds to take home and grow a food garden in your yard. And... It goes on and on, so it's a, it's a combination of our uh, deep agricultural history, our culturally layered cuisine, and all of the innovative things we're doing in in, in, in different parts of our food system that I believe uh, are the reasons that we receive the designation. So, you
0: so really quickly, yeah. though, we're very we're very fortunate then because your your history with the city, your role with the city, helped to uncover some of that four thousand years. Worth of archaeology, and, and you, you're also known, I think, as one of the forerunners of, of local uh, the local food movement here in Tucson. So, well, uh, thank you. Uh, that actually was
1: part of my uh, part of my career before I got to the city. Uh, but yes, I am an archaeologist, and uh, I was involved in uh, some of the investigations that that demonstrated Tucson's deep agricultural history, okay. and uh, I was also on the board of the Santa Cruz Valley Heritage Alliance, which was uh, an early leader in the local and heritage foods movement.
0: All right, we're going to be back to the second piece of our 2019 interview with Jonathan Mabry and Giannis Water in just a moment, but first I want to remind you that you were listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org.
3: This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number one eight two four two zero Nova. NMLS number 3087, BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity.
0: We're going to get back to the second half of our interview with Jonathan Mabry and Janos Wilder about the City of Gastronomy designation, what it means for Tucson. Uh, and uh, as a reminder, this interview was first recorded in 2019. And we're almost three years later, so keep that in mind as you're listening to some of the information. But the importance of, of how this designation has transformed in Tucson's culinary scene is certainly, certainly important. Well, then we have Janos, who has a reputation for, uh, for his, uh, his food quality. Uh, your first restaurant was opened in Tucson in 80, 1983. 1983. And I remember I looked back and I found an article in the Tucson Citizen. I thought this was a perfect summary for for today. This was on October 28th, 1983, so a few days before you opened. And um, they were asking about your your cuisine, and there was a question about whether there was a French influence, and that would be so heavy on the food. And, And the last phrase of that article was your quote saying, the food will be prepared in a way that speaks for itself. And that's it. <laughs> okay. That, that seems to have uh, been indicative of your entire career here at Tucson. The food speaks for itself. Well, well, well. Thanks. I don't remember saying that, but it was, that's a pretty good quote. That, that,
2: that's <laughs> profound. Yes. I'm not sure what it means, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, I we opened our first restaurant here, in, actually, on Halloween. Three days after that, our after that article came out in 1983, and I had come back from working in France and we settled here in in Tucson. My wife's from Nogales. we have been living in Colorado and then Santa Fe. Before that, I went to work in Bordeaux and came back. And my first love was French cooking. And um, but of all the things that I learned working in France was that the heart and soul of French cuisine was the relationship between the chef and his gardener or the chef and his breadmaker or the, the chef and the fisherman. And so it was really about where you got your products that determined what you cooked. And so I was determined at that point to really look into the sourcing of my products. And then, So we, we, we literally did start advertising for gardeners back then before we advertised for staff. And over the, but still I wanted to cook French food, but localize it by using local ingredients. At that point, I didn't even know what were the local ingredients because I moved to the desert at that point And, and but better grow the things I know about because nothing else grows here. And then began to realize the of recognition took some period of time. But over the years, I realized the, 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 the incredible deep and long history, agricultural history, and started using a lot of those products and our, our, our cooking really developed the the, pro, the flavor profiles that we work with, Steve, both in agricultural products and the cultural culinary histories as, as well to create and to determine what the sort of the cultural culinary icons of the region were to, to work with
0: those. So it seems like a natural fit to get involved with the city of gastronomy. But how how did you get? Were you pulled in, or did you hear about this and say, hey, let me in? So, no, I got
2: I got asked. To, so Jonathan was the primary author of the application. I've known Gary for for, 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 for many many years as well. And I'm not sure who it was um, that in, invited me to participate in the application process or so part of the application. I was part of the part of the application process and and became interested because I soon realized that that I, we were sort of on parallel paths because that had really become in many ways my life work was working with the ingredients from this region and the flavors of the region and the and so the, the things that were in that application and what it meant to be a city of gastronomy the things are super important to me and so then i was invited to be on the board right after it started i might I think i might have been on, one of, on the, the initial the initial board Um, and have been on it ever since. And and Jonathan was was the the board president and has just over the summer become our executive director. And I took on the role of board president.
0: So that that leads to, I think, the next part, which is this designation was not just an award. This is an obligation and a responsibility. It's actually led to even, I mean, the application probably seems like the easy part at this point uh, because it's led to an entire um, effort to maintain that designation. You just don't get it and hang it on the well,
2: wall. Well, I, I want there's a couple ways because yes, we are required, and Jonathan will speak more to the details of that, but we're required to recertify every four years or five years five or four years. So, four. Our, four years. so our, our, we are applying for recertification right now. But it's the sort of, it, it channels the work that we do and the way it doesn't feel like an obligation, it feels more like an honor. The work that we're doing in Tucson is so exciting and so fun and so multi-layered that, yeah, we need to be doing this, but boy, what a great opportunity to do it and channels your efforts in ways that they might not have been channeled otherwise. So it creates terrific opportunities at the same time. I mean, it is really cool. It is really fun the work, the, the work that we're doing. I'll let maybe Jonathan wants to talk a little bit more about that recertification process, but I think to talk about some of the really neat things we're doing we we'll, we'll, we'll want to get into those as well.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently working on our year four report to tell UNESCO what have we been doing with the designation. and We're going to give you a few examples in a minute, but um, You're right, we do have a responsibility to work toward UNESCO's goals for the designation, which include using the designation to support the producers of our food heritage, and uh, also connecting with the other cities in the network to exchange ideas and best practices exchange knowledge. So uh, we participate in annual conferences of the Creative Cities Network. And in between those conferences, there's several meetings a year of just the cities of gastronomy from around the world getting together. uh, Usually uh, each city brings a chef with them and there's uh, amazing cooking demonstrations, but there's also business being conducted and, and, and exchanges of, of ideas and knowledge and, um, and, and development of collaborations between the cities of gastronomy. So it's, it's really um, interesting and Tucson is getting a lot out of it, uh, those exchanges. And we're also uh, viewed as a leader because of all of the innovative programs we've developed.
2: So, Jonathan, you make that sound a little bureaucratic, and there's that side of it, but but that translates on the ground in everyday, in our everyday lives, into really cool things that it brings to Tucson, for instance. Last night we had an event. I don't know when you're going to air this, but in fact, it was last night that we had an event at the Carriage House that so we has become an annual event called Chefs on the Global Stage. We actually train young chefs to become chef ambassadors for Tucson, and and that's kind of a lot of work because there's a lot of things that need to be beyond knowing how to cook. There's a lot that goes into becoming an ambassador and we have now sent over the last years that we've had this designation eight chefs around the world as our ambassadors the event that we had the carriage house was chefs on the chefs on a global stage what did the chefs that we we sent out last year and there were five of them that went around the world what did they serve what how did they represent us in Tucson they represented us from a gastronomic and culinary perspective in, in these cities, they were in, in Shunde, they were in Macau, they were in Stavanger, Norway, and I'm missing one like Bell in Brazil,
1: uh, Parma, Italy, Paris, uh, Dania, Spain.
2: And these are Tucson chefs. Then. These are Tucson chefs. that. So we're, we're not only importing ideas and importing tourists, which is a huge thing benefit to Tucson, but we're exporting our cuisine Around the world. That is so cool. And the impact on one, these young chefs who are going around the world and not only taking, but they're bringing back ideas and performing relationships with their peers and colleagues around around the world is, for me, as an older chef watching this happen, is just out of sight. It's one of the most fun things I get
1: to do. It's great to see
2: how they come back so inspired. It's so inspired. Yeah, it's awesome. And then we bring that back to Tucson. Mm-hmm. Tucson natives, in many cases, are taking so much more of an interest about what the identity, the culinary identity of their hometown is and portraying that in the menus on, uh, on their restaurants. I, I've been doing this my whole life and we didn't see that For a long time, I felt in some ways that the work that I was doing as it sort of a, in a vacuum in, in some, in some in through, we're doing this. those sorts of things to, totally fine but that has changed because of the designation it's not because of the world it's because of that designation which brings a recognition to who we are and validates who we are from
0: a, from a global perspective and since 2015 there's been an additional city in the united states that's received the designation yes. san antonio received that designation
2: Two years ago, and the same year that we received the desi- designation, Ensenada received the, 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 the okay. designation. So we were the des- Ensenada in the United States with the first tour in North America, and with Tucson being the first in the United States.
0: So that was Janos Wilder. He was joined in that interview in 2019 by Jonathan Mabry. They are uh, both of the uh, the nonprofit Tucson City of Gastronomy in, in, in 2019, we aired this as a two-part segment. The, the segment you just heard here was the, was the first week. And then we moved into the, the second week, uh, part two. We focused on the impacts of the designation as it comes to the education of the chefs, the understanding of our, our history and our culture, and really how uh, it's impacted our economy with food tourism. If you want to hear the second part of that interview, you can head over to our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, and then just type in uh, gastronomy, and, and you will find both of those, those original stories available for you. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org.
3: This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to LifeAlongTheStreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. NOVA, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal Housing Opportunity.
0: Thanks uh, for tuning in for another episode here of Life Along the Streetcar. Appreciate you putting up with us as we go. A flash in the past, a throwback Sunday on this July 3rd Independence Day weekend. Got to air um, the story we did back in 2019. I think that's one of the exciting things for me now is we've got almost five years in the books. We've got you know over 200 episodes. This was episode 209. We've talked to 175, 180 people. We've got all this information out there, and as, as we're seeing it come into play and be more impactful, it's great to go back and, and talk at the very beginning because when we had had this interview with Jonathan and Janos, there was no City of Gastronomy designation for Tucson. Uh, there were no restaurants available for the certification. They were just kind of launching that, and now we see how it's it's impacting Uh, our local restaurant scene, and they've got all these different uh, components to it. So check out their website, the uh, Tucson City of Gastronomy, and you can uh, stay up to date with all that info. You can also head over to our website if you want to listen to that interview from 2019, or the second part of it as we talked about education, understanding history, and, and being an ambassador. Well, if you ever have a topic you want us to cover, don't hesitate to reach out. Our best way is probably through social media, Instagram and uh, Facebook. Both of those are Life Along the Streetcar. You have our, our webpage, org. You, uh, you can contact us there. We would love, love to hear from you. We're going to wrap up today's show about food with a little music from 1967. It's off of uh, a Beach Boys album Believe it or not, we don't play many Beach Boys here. It's Beach Boys album, 1967. It was called uh, Smiley Smile. And this song is titled Vegetables. I hope you have a great 4th of July. Keep it safe and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. I'm going to be around my vegetables.
1: I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love. we mm-hmm.